Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. And you see the title of our message here today. You know what? I tried to get out of it, but God said, no, I'm, I'm taking my orders from headquarters and I'm staying where the children of Israel are. And we're going to hang out for a little while in the book of Exodus. We're going to hang out for a little while in the book of Exodus. And as you see with the title, the Red Sea Rules, you don't need your bathing suit, okay? You don't need it. You're not going to get soaking wet. You don't have to worry. You may feel a little mist during the meeting, right? Like when you go to like Disney and those rides and they kind of hit you with like the water and all that different kind of stuff. may happen a little bit here today. But I'm really, listen, I'm excited about this message uh, last week, if you weren't here, a couple of people have already alluded to it. Uh, we looked at the children of Israel, and we were in the 13th chapter. We are going to be, as, as the title, I imagine many of you figured out, we're going to be in the 14th chapter, looking at the parting of the Red Sea. Amazingly, I, I, looking back, I've never preached a, a message from Exodus 14 before. Isn't that cra- It's kind of crazy. Just never have. You know, a lot of times I like to take parts of the Bible, maybe that people haven't preached before. I'm doing a, a message at some point in the coming weeks on Haggai, right? Many of you are like, I don't even know that's a book in the Bible. I wouldn't know where to find it. It may take a while, but it's kind of cool. Then you look at stories, too, that, that we've heard from the time we were in Sunday school. And we looked at the children of Israel in chapter 13, and we looked at this last Sunday. And then I also hit on this uh, on New Year's Eve when we had our service And we were talking about the children of Israel going into the promised land. I'm not going to read you that whole thing, but suffice it to say, the children of Israel were in Egyptian captivity, we said, for 430 years. Over four centuries, they're in captivity. God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses and says, look, you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to talk to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is going to free my people. But not before, right? God gives them anecdotal evidence to show off his omnipotence, to show off how powerful he is. And he sends in 10 great plagues. And you, the rest of the story as we looked at, and you see the children of Israel. And I said to you in the New Living Translation, I love it, this part of the Bible, they have it labeled as the wilderness detour. And what do we say last week? What does God like to do a lot of times? Take us the short way or the long way? The long way. And somebody said it. I'm glad I have a couple of people that were really listening. The scenic route. So we looked at that, right? And I showed you on a map and we looked at all that. So here they are, the children of Israel. Don't you feel bad sometimes for Moses? Do you ever read the Bible and feel bad for Moses? Dealing with the children of Israel, a stubborn, stiff-necked people who have seen God time and time again come through. I saw this cartoon and had to put it up there. Thought it was so funny. You may not find it as funny as I did, but I did. I'll turn this exodus around if I have to. And you see all the people, right? Isn't that good? That's good. You better clap. I didn't pay Mike to clap for that. But thanks, brother, because it is funny. Some of you aren't laughing. I don't know why you're not laughing. It's good preacher humor right there. And here are the people, the children of Israel, and they're complaining. I know none of us ever complain. You think that's going to be a message if we talk about the children of Israel in future weeks? You think I'm going to hit on that? What do you think? What do you think? You think I'm going to hit on that? Is that a problem in our culture today, boys? Yeah, absolutely it is. 
So here are the children of Israel. Now can we move into Exodus chapter 14? How many, I have a lot of verses today. I have a lot of word, but isn't that what we come to church for anyway? Yeah. Right? We want the Bible. Do we want the Bible? You're all right if I fill you up with a, a lot of word and push you out stuff out of this building and I push you into next week, this week? Is that all right? Okay, so when we look at Exodus 14, I'm going to start in verse 5. I'm going to go to 16. Then I'm going to drop down to verse 23 and hit through 30. I'm going to read it all at once. All right. Verse 5. Find it. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials, remember, 430 years, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? Isn't it kind of comical? You should be laughing when you read this, right? Now, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but still, it's comical in nature when you read it. You have to have a sense of humor sometimes. Oh, wait, all this, oh my gosh, we're going to have to do all this work. Let's bring the Israelites back because we don't want to do it. So Pharaoh says, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. Oh, poor Egyptians. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Get this, right? So they march out. They have a hop in their step. They're very confident in their God as they're moving out of Egypt and they're moving eventually because we said that it's 170 times. God says in the Old Testament, a place which I'm giving you, the promised land. He's been saying that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, there are promises. There's a place that I'm taking you to. I underline nine because I like nine a lot. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops. Did you get that? All of them. Forget Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments, what you saw in the 1950s. How crazy this scene must have looked. They pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near whatever. Okay, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, which, which is not real when you go back to Exodus 4, it's not part of my message, but I had to just throw it in there. Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What's wrong with these people? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Someone needs to be still this morning and know that he is God over the situation that you walked into this place with. You need to know that he is God over it and he's got it under control. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Don't you love that? I was saying that to Pastor Linda this morning. Moses gets yelled at, but it's the people. Moses didn't complain. It's imputed 
to Moses what the people did wrong. I wouldn't want to be Moses. Bottom line. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Can I give you a couple more verses? Can I give you a couple more verses? Okay. Oops. 23. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Don't you love that? Don't you love the detail? It doesn't say some of them. It says all of them. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and clouded the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their ch 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 chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Israelites are running away on foot from the Egyptians. And now the Egyptians are running away from the Israelites. That's hard to just read a passage because I just want to preach. So I'm just, I'm all over the, is it all right, man? Is it all right if we just take our time today? I don't care. I don't know what time you're getting out today. I don't know. Then the Lord said to Moses, and you were right because I was up at 2.46 this morning. That's when I got up this morning because I was so excited and overjoyed to preach this word this morning. There are a lot of Sundays you got to pull yourself out of bed as a preacher and get ready to rock and roll. Not today. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And then finally, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. Did any of them survive? No. Joe, did any of them survive? Not one of them survived. Isn't that amazing? But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. The same people that had whipped them and had lashed them and had oppressed them. At the end of this story, they saw them lying dead on the sea shore. Because Isaiah says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. It doesn't say no weapons going to be formed. Did you know weapons are going to be formed? Weapons are being formed right now as I'm even preaching because the enemy doesn't want this message to get into your mind. He doesn't want this message to get into your heart. So we need to understand, though, that God says no weapon formed against us will prosper. And the enemy can keep trying, but ultimately he's not going to have his way in our lives. Yeah, that's good. Mike, that's good. Yes. And you know what? It's so interesting when you look at this because the chariots are coming up from behind them. Have you ever been chased by something? Have you ever been chased by something? Now, I had a couple of doors here on the stage. I had 2019 here last week, and I had 2018 over here. I just wanted to ask everyone at the beginning of the sermon, were there any things that were chasing you in 2018 and they tried to get in the door and chase you into 2019 and they're still following you? Are there any things that are chasing you today? Because if there are, guess what? We're going to issue them an eviction notice. They can't stay. 
They can't stay. I am so confident in my God today. I'm so confident in God. Lord, I'm just going to pray even right now because there are no rules. Lord, I just ask that you would move in this place. Lord, that you would anoint my lips as the speaker. Father, as your word goes forth, I thank you that you are waiting here. Your presence has been here the entire time. Lord, I ask that you would cast down imaginations, any high thing that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of you, anything that would stop and prevent what you want to do in this place. Have your way, spirit of the living God. Father, we evict fear, we evict anxiety, we evict worry, we evict depression in the name of Almighty Jesus. Yes, we do this morning. Yes, we do. And you know, so we've all been chased by something, something that tried to chase us into 2019, was there something that happened in your life that maybe you had no control over, but it's still chasing you? I know for me, I get chased by things. It's how we handle it, because the chase is on. And here come the I wish I had a soundtrack For this, I wish I had a soundtrack for the sound of the chariots as they're moving up on the children of Israel. Where's my track? You know it's coming, right? Now you got to wait. I know y'all don't like silence. There it is. That's my track. This is my track. And here, the t- you know what they should rename this song? People running in slow motion song. Because every single movie you see, it's a comedy, drama, whatever. They're always using chariots of fire. You better watch out today. I'm armed and dangerous. And here come the ch- 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 chariots. gonna play this song (laughs) all right you can fade it you can fade it you wanted me to some of you wanted me to play the whole song you wanted you would rather listen to the song than hear the sermon you're in church (laughs) but we've all been chased by something, and I was thinking about it. If you were a child, that you were you're the children of Israel, if you were a person, you heard the clacking of the wheels, right? Steve, don't you think you heard the clacking of the wheels? You heard the clacking of the wheels, and I imagine, this is just my imagination, but I think they heard the whips and the lashes as they hit the horses, and they remembered back to what it was like in Egyptian captivity and bondage and the enemy was trying to remind them of their past and here's Moses, the leader, saying no, God wants us to put one foot in front of the other because I have a future, God has a future for all of us and the enemy wants to derail our destiny. He wants to derail your destiny, he wants to derail my destiny. He wants to take us out. 
any way he can. And here are the chariots. This was the most feared you know, military instrument, instrument of death that you could use. This is the most powerful army in the world at this time. And what are the children of Israel? They have any chariots, by the way? Yo, Moses, where are our chariots? Moses, where are our spears? Moses, where are our swords? They don't have anything. They're on foot. You better run fast like Forrest Gump. They had nothing. And here they are, and they're trying to get away. And you know what one of my favorite parts of the story? You ready for this? The chariots catch them. Did you, did you miss that? The, cha- the God that we know served love says, you know what? I'm going to let the chariots overtake you. Don't you find that peculiar? Why would God let the chariots catch them? Why doesn't he just eviscerate them before this ever happens? Because God says, there are some things that I have to do. And guess what? He does it because just like us, we're all running from something in here. Every single one of us is running from something or we're running from someone, even Scott, if that someone is ourselves. Some of us are running from ourselves. Have you ever run from yourself when you heard the sound of the chariots? Do you mind if I say it like that a few more times in the sermon? Is that okay? I won't whisper if you say it's okay. So there they are, and they're running, and the chase is on. And can I just stop here for a second? Because when I'm writing notes on this, you know, we shrink down the magnitude of stories sometimes in the Bible to fit ourselves in. Did you ever notice this? We shrink them down, and it's like, doesn't, listen, we're supposed to have an imagination. We're supposed to be doing that. But I think a lot of times we put in our own situations that maybe really aren't that big of a deal, and it's like, there's David, and he goes into the Valley of Elah, and he takes on the giant, and he takes out the big Goliath. He takes him out, and you too can lose 30 pounds. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. We do that so many times, and we forget this was a life-threatening, huge giant that is there, and we minimize sometimes the miracles, the magnitude of the miracles that are in the Bible. Do you realize how amazing this miracle was? And you may be a science person and go, this, I, what, really? The sea split? Yeah, I believe that. I believe that because the Bible says it happened. Because the Bible says it happened. I believe it happened. Amen. But it's amazing how when we personalize the Bible sometimes we can lose perspective and we just put ourselves in and we forget that these are real people Real lives, real, would you be afraid? How many of you would, come on now, come on, let's be honest. I would be, can I be honest with you? Because I try to be transparent with you. I would have been one of the dudes, yo Moses, you need glasses, brother. God, why did you give us a near-sighted shepherd? There are chariots and they're bearing down on us. And this crazy dude has a staff in his hand and he thinks, I don't know, he's going to part the Red Sea. 
None of you would have thought that because you're all spiritual, more spiritual than I am. But um, that's just, that's just kind of how I look at it. Can I talk about perspective? Can we talk about perspective? Can I read you a little story? All right, this is a story I use actually in school. I love it. Uh, I think it shows the importance of uh, perspective. Uh, it's a story of a, of a girl, college. She's getting ready to come home from the semester, right, in school. And she wants to fill her parents in on a couple of things that have transpired before she actually sees them. You ready to hear this? Okay. Some of you are going to want to steal this, right? Uh, because, uh, oh wait, I want, I want it to be a surprise, but I figured it would be best to give you the highlights before I came home this weekend. Because of the fire set off by the student riots, I experienced temporary lung damage and had to go to the hospital. Wow. While I was there, I fell in love with an orderly, and we have moved in together. I dropped out of school when I found out I was pregnant. What? He got fired because of his drinking, so we're going to move to Alaska where we might get married after the birth of the baby. I know you will give the baby the same love and care you gave me. That's one text. She wait. Can you imagine as a parent you got this text? Child, you're paying for that kid to go to school, and this is what happened on your dime while they're in school, and the kid waits, and then she sent the second text. None of that really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class, and I wanted you to keep that grade in its proper perspective. Where are my kids in here? Hey, hey, my nephew, my son, did you hear the story Daddy just said? You are not allowed to use a story like that on your parents, boys. When you get old, any other kids in here, do not scare your parents and traumatize them with a similar type of story. Yeah. Perspective, though. Perspective. I'm getting to the best part. Don't worry. I'm getting to the best part. And here are the people, and they're absolutely terrified. And the essence of what I think Moses is saying in this story is, it's okay to feel afraid. It's okay to have fear, but you can't let your fear have you. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to feel worried. Did you hear me? High school students, people that are younger, it's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to have the fear, but we can't let the fear and the anxiety have us. There's a huge difference in this. Huge. Dr. Cloud, I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. This is Dr. Cloud. That's pretty good stuff right there. That's so helpful. And here you are. The children of Israel have the chariots coming up from behind them, and they'd rather live in captivity than die in freedom. Did you get that? They'd rather live, I mean, rather, rather live in captivity and go back to Egypt than move ahead and die in freedom to be free. Moses, where did you take us, old man? We want to go back. It was so much better there. We got whipped every single day. They didn't pay us. Life was so much better. Really? And the sad part about it is, I think for many of us, we kind of do the same thing. Do you ever notice when you look back? I'm thinking about it a week and I go, when we look back sometimes in our lives, we can, we can lose all of our faith that was in the frame. All of it evaporates. Do you ever notice that? You look back on things and you're like, what happened? 
Where is my faith? Because God is telling Moses, tell my children that they're supposed to move forward. If they keep moving forward, in front of them are the waters that are going to be parted. Listen, we have to understand this is so important when it comes to our faith. And if we want strong faith, it depends on which direction we're going to look. Look ahead of you where God is parting the sea and a miracle is taking place. Or look behind you and see where you came from, where you possibly want to go back to, but you shouldn't. And we lose our faith. Can we talk about worry and anxiety for a little bit? You mind if we, does that, am I the only, is the preacher the only one in the house that has issues when it comes to worry and anxiety? I just looked and it's kind of funny. Last year, my first sermon of the 2018 year was on anxiety. You know, and I almost felt my spirit, God was like, because I try, I, listen, I fought to go in another direction this week. I fought to go in another story and God was like, get back here. This is where we're going to go and this is what you're going to talk about. I didn't want to at first. But now I, I got into it as the week went on because I trusted and said, wow, do we live in the culture of fe- a culture of fear and anxiety? I mean, I couldn't believe it. I, I went online. I just looked. And uh, the National Institute of Mental Health says anxiety disorders are the most common form of mental health issue. And they say over 40 million people in our country suffer. Anxiety issues. Hey, if you have that, you're in good company, man, because the guy that's up here with the microphone deals with the same kind of stuff that you do. Same kind of stuff. It's getting harder to live in this world, isn't it? In a sense, I mean, in terms of anxiety and fear, I mean, I'm not one of those people, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You hear people say that all the time. I don't believe that. I think the best is yet to come for the church. I really do believe that God's going to, as Pastor Linda, (coughs) excuse me, was talking about before, amazing things are going to happen in our lifetime, right? As the days grow shorter. But um, man, it's, it's just not easy. You know about worry? I read this in a book, and I don't know how many of you listen to Joyce Meyer. I don't listen to her, but I thought this, this quote was absolutely money. Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. How good is that? Is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Would have. Could have. Should have. And there are the chariots behind us, and we hear them. And the enemy wants to hit us with all of our regrets. He wants to hit us with guilt. And he wants to hit us with shame. And above all, he wants to hit us with fear and anxiety. He wants to traumatize us and incapacitate us. You know why you were up? You know why you were up in the middle of the night this week? It wasn't because you ate something that was bad. It's because you were up because there's something eating you inside. It's not the food that you ate. Something is going on inside of us, friends. And we, I'm going to get real practical in a little bit, but we need to be a people that have a strategy on how to deal with this stuff when it comes our way. Does anybody want to fight and have a strategy on what to do when you're hit with thoughts and lies from the pit of hell? Does anybody want a strategy? I thought so. I guess I'm in the right place. There was a psychologist by the name of Walter uh, Calvert, and Dr. Calvert did a study on this. This is very famous. I want to show you his findings because I, I think this is uh, profound for us as a people. This is what he said. Oops. 30% of our worries are about events in the past, okay? All the research, all right? 40% of the things we worry about never happen. 
Wow, 40%, almost half. 12% of our worries are unfounded health concerns. There was a lot more on this, but I didn't want to get into it because I was afraid I'd derail my whole sermon and get into a whole health and whatever sermon, but I, I'm not doing that. 10% of our worries are over minor and trivial issues. Right? Ready? Here's this. Only 8% of our worries are real, legitimate issues. So, ready? He says, 90, the, the other 92% were either imaginary, never happened, or involved matters over which we had control anyway. And it's the what ifs. Worry is allowing our imagination to, to become a prison. How many of us can feel like you're, we feel like we're in a prison sometimes? Our imagination can feel like we're in a prison and all of these thoughts are coming our way. Does anybody have crazy thoughts? Am I the only one sometimes I'm like, where, where did that, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a pastor because I don't want to, I'm not going to go for it, but I, I'm just glad that we're on the same page. I don't know how to really verbalize this, but right how many of you have had crazy thoughts about stuff? Crazy. Where did that come from? That's not from me. Why would I be thinking about running that person over with my car? Because they did what I, I don't know. Why am I thinking about flipping them off when I'm driving? I know nobody else has ever thought of something like that when they're driving. Never. I'm just being real. I'm serious. I'm just being real. And it's amazing. And do you, how many of you have the what ifs? What if I don't get my bonus? What if I don't get the job? What if we don't sell the house? What if I can't afford to get my kids braces and then they have crooked teeth and they never have any friends and they never get married and then they're older and they're homeless and they're hungry and they're carrying around a sign, my parents couldn't afford to get me braces when I was younger. The what ifs. What ifs. What if this happens? What if this happens? And we're robbed by threats, imaginary things. Did you know this is, the enemy is a terrorist and he has come to steal, kill, and destroy? Did you know it's, he can affect us and he can hit us without anything ever happening to us? All he has to do is make us believe it might happen to us at some point in the future. You might lose this. You might not live to see your kids grow up. You might die. You might not get that job. You might lose the house. You might go broke. But the devil is a liar. He's a liar. And it's whose voice are we going to believe? If we get thoughts out of that negative and condemning and keep us in guilt, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? There's no condemnation. And I know some people, you walked in here today and you feel condemned for something that happened, something that happened 20 years ago in the summer, and you still feel condemned by it, and the devil is still doing it, and he's hitting you with anxiety, and he's hitting you with fear. Those are two of his greatest tracks. Fear and anxiety. He plays them over and over and over and over again. And listen to me, though. I think sometimes we forget. You know what we forget? And Pastor Linda wanted me to really hit this. His presence is guaranteed in our lives. What do I mean by that? Okay, I mean this. 
When you look at David, what did David talk about? He talks about the fact that if I make my bed in hell, God, you are there. Anywhere I go, he's there. God is there. His presence is there. I think of Jonah, who's in the belly of the whale for three days. God's presence is still there. I think of Elijah, who's in a cave, and he's there. And God's like, what are you doing here, dude? And he talks to him eventually in a still, small voice. His presence is automatic in our lives, but his promises are not. His presence is automatic, but his promises are not. Those are things that we have to work for. And the children of Israel are looking at some promises, and they're staring at them. And how many of us are living? We've moved out of some things like the Egyptians, right? They moved out of some things, but yet we can't move into other things that God wants us to move into. How many of you, you can relate to that? So we moved out of 2018 and we're trying to come into 2019 and we're trying to step in, but there are some things that we can't move into because we have this baggage that we talked about last week. And you know what? How many of you still feel like you have some of that baggage? Come on, be honest. Did you walk, you walked out and everything was good? Everything, the enemy said, you know what? They left their baggage here last Sunday, so I'm going to leave them alone for the rest of their lives. I'm done with them. Man, all right, you left it in church that day. I'm done. No. He doesn't stop because he's relentless. Because he hates us, because we were made in the image of God. And God lives inside of us. And he hates God so much. He says, I want to take them out because if I can take them out, I can get to the heart of God, the one that excommunicated me and sent me out of heaven. He says, I want to go after them. And you know what we do? Let's be honest. Do you ever... We talk ourselves out of stuff. We just pretend it's just you. We're just having a conversation. I wish I could have a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I wish I could have some Fiji water and you could have some coffee and we could just kind of sit down and you could tell me, right, some of the issues. Did you ever notice that we talk ourselves out of stuff? Like the children of Israel, look at what they're talking themselves out of. I get, listen, I get the fact of what was behind them, but so many times we talk ourselves out of the promises that God has for us in his word. And I'm here this morning to tell us if we can talk, if we can talk ourselves out of some of the promises, then we can talk ourselves back into some of the promises of God. <laughs> Enough of talking ourselves out. Let's talk ourselves into some of the promises that he has for us. Can I give you a great quote? Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones an incredible English preacher from the 20th century, uh, pastor at Westminster uh, Chapel in London for many years. I mean, an amazing preacher. This is what he said. I say that we must talk, this is where I got the idea and talking, getting yourself, it's from him. I say that we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. You should, how come nobody's taking a picture of that right there? You should take a picture of this and you should rehearse this. You should be talking to yourself after just seeing this have you, re- have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Wow, that's deep. That's deep. We are to be talking ourselves into stuff. You know what I said to you before? You want the real James or you want, you want preacher James? What do you want? You want real James? Because I'll give you real James. You know what? I said to you earlier, there are Sundays that it's hard to get up and preach. 
I don't have it, Lord. I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. I can't get a flow on this. I don't know. The people aren't going to want to hear this, and I'm going to look like an idiot standing up in front of people. Yes, I still hear those voices. Doesn't matter how long I preach. Doesn't matter. But you know what? I talk, if I got up here on the only the Sundays that I wanted to preach, you'd see me five or six weeks a year. Oh, is that, is that too real? Should I take, can we retract that? Can we stop that and maybe retract that? It's true, but you know what I do? You know what I do? I talk to myself. I say, and I tell myself this all the time, I go, there's going to be somebody in that place that is gonna need to hear a word from God and they're gonna be depressed and they're gonna be despairing of life and I need you to go in and preach. And if you don't do it, I'm gonna get somebody else to do it. I called you to do it, but don't worry. If you don't wanna be obedient, I'll get someone else. I have to talk myself into it. Does anybody talk to themselves? I talk to myself all the time. I love it. How come when we were younger, we used to talk to ourselves? I'm watching my nine-year-old, and he's doing the Death Star, and he's putting a Lego together, and the dude's talking to himself. How come we talk to ourselves when we're younger, and then when we get older, we don't do that anymore? Martin Lloyd-Jones is saying we need to talk to ourselves about truth, about his promises, about who lives inside of us. That we don't have the power in and of ourselves, but there is power and there is a nuclear bomb that lives inside of us and his name is the Holy Spirit and you better watch out because once he gets going, nothing can stop him. I don't even know where I am anymore. I think I'm going to go here. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 42. Can Can I play this out a little bit more before I get to the really good stuff? You got a few more minutes? You got a few more minutes, Tommy? I love seeing you play over there, man. Loved it. Right? How about what the psalmist says in 42, 1 to 3? Look at this. A uh, 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 passage many of us know. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? He's, he, look what he's doing. He's talking about a situation he is in utter despair, But look what the psalmist does two verses later. He starts to talk to himself and he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of God. We ought to be talking to ourselves in our situations, rehearsing his promises saying them and speaking them out. I said last week, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Speak out his promises. Speak over our situations and know that he has the power we need to change things. Yes, he does. He has all the power. I love this too. I I came across, this is wild. The Hebrew word, by the way, for, for meditate is hagah, which you don't care about, but it means to mutter. And the Hebrew tradition is as they study the word of God, they mutter it. I saw this. Do you remember going to the Wailing Wall, those people that went to Jerusalem? We went to Jerusalem. 
And we were at the Wailing Wall. Did you know they pay people? People are paid to sit there at the Wailing Wall and they're, mummer, they're, they're, they're muttering these scriptures and they're saying them over and over again. Yeah, a little different, maybe steeped in tradition and rules and regulations that we don't really believe in because we know what Christ came to do and he came to abolish the law, right? But, but you look at it and it's, it's amazing because this is what they do. And I think there's really a lesson in that for us, isn't there? Aren't we supposed to be doing that when we meditate on his word? Keep his word on our lips. Didn't he say that in Joshua? I don't remember the exact chapter. I think it's one or four somewhere in there. But he says that. It's one. I think it's one. Meditate. Meditate. And did you know there are only two fears? I saw this. Dr. Townsend talked about this. And I thought this was wild. Falling short, he said, and running out. All of our fears, he said, can kind of, you, you know, it, it go into the, one of those two categories. Either... I won't have enough or I am not enough. Falling short, I don't have what it takes. Or, uh, man, I wish I had more. I just, I don't have it. And we have all of these fears, but we need to keep on our lips as the background music. How many of us listen to background music? We need to take verses and promises and keep them as the background music in any situation that we go to and know that if we keep saying them and keep listening to them, the devil and his demons are all going to run away. He doesn't want any of it, right? He doesn't want any of it. And ah, I'm not getting into that. Let's get to, all right, this is my favorite part of the sermon. You ready? All right. Did you like any of this so far? Just lie to me even if you didn't. Just lie if you didn't. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is brilliant. How many times do I say that, by the way? My favorite passage, favorite person. I just say it all the time because I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I love everything about it. It's the inerrant, infallible word of God. It is. This is what Paul said. This is what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but might, get ready, just get ready, mighty in God. For, I waited all week for this. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what the world tells us to do? You know what these people do? Can, I, can we really be honest? And when you see all these people, and I'm sorry, these, these motivators that don't have Christ in the center of their message, you know what they tell you to do? Let it go. You have thoughts of fear and anxiety? Let it go. Let it go. Disney has told us to let it go. Everywhere we look, they're telling us to let it, just let it go. Think positive thoughts. What was that book that came out years of The Secret? Just think positive th- What a bunch of rubbish that is. That is so not biblically based. It's not. And I'm sorry, you know what? There are a lot of churches. That's what they preach. Just let it go. How come you don't have enough faith to believe? You have all this fear and you have this anxiety. It's because you're not believing God enough and that doesn't help any Christians. Does it help? No, it absolutely doesn't help. And you know what's crazy? I've tried it before. See if you can follow this. It's like a boomerang. All right, all right, I have this thought of, of anxiousness. I have this thought of fear. And then I just let it go. And then I throw it. And then it's, it's, it's coming back at me. And you know what? It's bringing a few of its friends. Does it ever happen to you? Come on, be real, be honest. Where did the other guys come from? 
I only had this one thought, but now things are boomeranging back. I'm thankful for the Apostle Paul. You want to know why? Because he says here, and this is amazing when you look at this in the Greek, that word captivity means he's talking about a prisoner of war. The Apostle Paul is saying we are supposed to be taking those thoughts that are not from God and we are supposed to take them and make them prisoner because these are the same thoughts that have been keeping us in bondage and have had a hold on us. And he's saying, no, now's the time to flip the switch, to turn the table upside down, and now you're going to make those thoughts a prisoner of war because they're from the pit of hell. Here's my question for us this morning. Do we ever interrogate our imagination? Because that's what he's saying. We are, listen to me, I told you this is the best stuff. We are to be interrogating our imagination and our thoughts. Does anybody have any experience in interrogation? Anybody? All right, I, I guess I'm the only one. See, I do because I watched Jack Bauer on 24. I watched, I probably watched, I watched all 18 seasons. I watched all of them. Anybody, you watched all of them, right? You watch those seasons, right? So I feel qualified. I miss that noise in the beginning of the show, that doom, doom, doom. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But it's interesting when you look at it, we need to interrogate our thoughts. I told you the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what he doesn't come looking like? He does not have the pitchfork and the red cape. You know what he comes? You know how he comes? He comes for our mind. He comes, you know where the battlefield is? The battlefield is in your brain. The battlefield is in my brain. That's where the battle is. And he says, if I can get your mind and I can get you to believe things that are not true about you and things that are not in the Bible and I can get you to run with those, I can keep you as my prisoner of war, but I'm here on the 1st January in 2019 and I'm here to tell us there are some thoughts that have been hitting us and it's time to interrogate them and make them our prisoners of war. How come? Listen. How come... You know what they do, right? When they interrogate, again, I know from the show. They interrogate them. Sit down. The person's all tied up, right? And they sit down and they're like, Ugh. you know, that guy. And what he lived through, come on now. All right, anyway. And they live there. Uh, they're there, right? And they're sitting down in the chair. And then what does Jack Bauer or any of the other people, what do they always ask? Where are you from? Where are you from? We need to start asking our thoughts, where are you from? Who gave you authority to come into my house? Who gave you the authority? Because I know God didn't. We need to start interrogating our thoughts and imaginations that we're indulging. Where did you come from? And we need to realize they're, not, they're from hell and it's a terrorist threat sent to destroy our destiny. Can I, can I, can I give you something else what I got with this? Can I give you something else? How many of you fly, right? You fly on a regular basis. Some of you fly more than others. I was thinking about this. You know what we need to be like? We need to be like TSA. TSA. No, 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 no. Listen to my analogy. I'm trying to give you visuals. What we need to, this, I like this dude. I'm trying to find pictures yesterday. I, I need a dude. This guy looks a little bit menacing. I wouldn't want to mess with that dude, right? 
So we need to say, you know what? Take off your shoes. Take off your belt. Empty your pockets, thoughts. Because I don't know where you came from, but you're not coming in here right now. And I'm TSA. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you're not having your way here. Come on, that's true. That's what we need to do. I'm just trying to preach the word in a creative way. Maybe you get it, maybe you don't. I don't know. But we have authority over our thoughts too. You know what we have? And if I'm t- you know what I don't have? You know what I don't have, dude? I'm talking to this dude. I want, one of you. I want your badge. I want the dude's badge. The only way to stop people is to have the badge and have the uniform. How many of us know God has given us a badge? God has given you a badge. And inside of this are all the promises that you will ever need for every single situation that you encounter. This is your badge. And you tell the enemy, I don't have the power, but by the power of the living Christ that is inside of me, that lives in me, I can change this situation. And we talk ourselves into it. Yeah, church. Yeah, church. And then secondly, we ask, where is it going? Where are you going? Where are you from? Again, Jack Bauer. Where are you from? Where are you going? Because you're not going where you think you want to go. Jameson, come on. Come here. Come here, Jay. (laughs) Come here, boy. Okay. You leave. Go ahead. You leave. You know what many of us are doing? This is my, no, no, wait, this is my, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. So listen, listen. You know what many of us are doing? We're letting our thoughts lead us. I am, am I stronger than you? No. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Took you a second. I'm about to show everybody in front, right? I'm going to show. No, I'm kidding. But how come when all these thoughts are coming, I'm bigger and I'm stronger than him, but I'm letting him lead me every single day? And God says, no, 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 switch it around. I'm going to be the one that leads, follow the leader. We don't follow, we lead. I'm leading you into your destiny. You're getting a Lego for that. (laughs) Listen to me, listen to me. You think of that. You kids, when you go to school and the enemy is hitting you with thoughts, You need to realize who you are and whose you are and that you're never alone. J-Bone, you're never alone, boy. Kids, you're never alone. He's with you in any situation. We don't have to be anxious. Man, can can we just hold, like, hold that thought? Hold certain thoughts? Now, I put up for you 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. Can I show you the other side of this? Can I show you the other side of this? I, I'm coming, music team, you can start to come up. I've only got a couple of minutes left. I promise I'm about done. You know Philippians 4, 8, and 9? I love this. This is the last chapter. Paul is writing. It's the happiest book in the Bible. He's writing to the church at Philippi, and he comes to the end. You can play something on there, because I just like when the music's playing and I'm talking in the background, right? And look what he says. He says, finally. When, you, when a preacher says, finally, what does that mean? Absolutely Nothing. Right? When a preacher says finally, right? I don't know. Right? It's true. It's true. Said I got a couple of minutes. That could be 10. That could be 20. 
It's not going to be 20. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Tell the person next to you, hold that thought. Did you ever hear that saying before? John, did you ever hear that saying before? Hold that thought. So we're supposed to be things that are true and noble and pure and lovely and of good report. We should be holding on to those thoughts and evicting the other thoughts. Holding on to them. These are the thoughts that we should be focused on and say, you know what? That thought in the name of Jesus Christ, that is not a thought that is from my father in heaven. It is a lie. This is how we can evaluate this right here. I need it. You're not kidding. I need it. I need a couple. Jamal, Leslie, I need you, please. <laughs> I need a married couple who's brave. You're you're supposed to say anything for God. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to hug your wife. Oh, isn't that cute? All right, whatever position. All right, this is a church. Keep it PG. Um, So I want you to just hold on to it like that. That's perfect. I want you to hold on to that. Now, now, ready? You are Philippians 4, right here. 4, 8, 9. No, no, she is. Not you. She is. Okay? Now I need somebody else. I need somebody else. I just need one person. I need a guy who's like big and... Doug, can you come up here? Do you mind? Doug, you mind? Yeah, Doug. Yeah, Doug. Come here, buddy. Doug, come on up here. Okay. So now, you're the other passage in Corinthians 10, 5... And you are the imaginations. You are all of the negative thoughts. You are all of the anxiety. You're a, he's a great guy, right? This is a great dude. But he's just playing a role right now, right? Stop with the ooh, ah, you're a bad preacher. What's wrong with you, right? So he, is, he represents everything. You follow me? Everything that we see here. In 2 Corinthians, you represent arguments. You represent anything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Imaginations. Ready? How come, church, how come we sometimes get pulled away from Philippians 4, 8, and 9 and we'd rather go over here and hang out with him when this beautiful thing is standing right here and God says finally brethren whatever is thank you thank you whatever is thank you brother whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is lovely whatever is pure whatever is of good report stand up stand up that we are to think on those things can I tell us today That God's saying today, we are to let go of those imaginations and those things that have held us captive. And we are to make them our prisoner of war. If you got nothing out of this sermon, listen to me. I'll boil it down. 
It's time to interrogate our thoughts. 2019. Maybe that's your word. We have my one word. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe it's, it's time for us to interrogate the thoughts that are coming and they're not from God. You want more anxiety? You want more fear? Well, you're done with it. You're done with the topic? Because I think there's more. There's a lot more. Can't hit everything in one week. Can we still hang out with the children of Israel? Can we still hang out with the children of Israel? We hang out. When you get up tomorrow, stop checking the fear cast and start looking at the faith cast. Start looking at the faith cast and saying, this is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. And when the devil hits you with negative thoughts, which he will from the moment that you wake up tomorrow, I want you to start talking yourself into it and taking promises. And I want you to put them around your house. Put them everywhere. That's what the children of Israel did. And make it a signpost and put it somewhere on your dashboard and put it on your fridge. Whatever it is, a promise that you can stand on in the situation that you're in. He's God. Lord, Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you that you are calling us higher in 2019. Father, I thank you that we are not just people that are passing through, that are just at the whim and, and, and subject to what the enemy wants to throw at us. Oh, no, no, no. Lord, I thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to help your people here, that we can be confident, not in our own power, in our own might, but in your power, your spirit that lives inside of us. And in the name of Jesus, we can move out into 2019 and not be as stressed and not be as anxious and not be as fearful. We can move out and be different. Can I tell you this quick? I promise. I promise. Last thought. My wife sent me. Remember what you sent me this week? She sent me a picture from a book about Columbine. Now, I, God just put this in my spirit. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but she sent me a picture and said, you need to read this. And it was about, so I'm going to, I know there are kids in the room. So it was about parents, the Christian parents and how they handled the situation immediately after and the other parents that weren't Christians. I'm not good people, good people. But people said, the therapist, what did they say? You tell it. Well, their kids were the ones that were actually the ones that did pass in the shooting. And so they said that the the parents, the Christian parents, were praying and and they had a security of where their children were. And so they were the ones, their children had been lost and they were there ministering to parents who didn't lose children. And the difference was stark between the parents that were Christians, he said. And this is a totally non-denominational, this person that wrote this was just a journalist. Secular, yeah, not Christian Secular, at all. Secular, not Christian at all. A journalist. And he said it was really, the difference was amazing. You could tell who was a Christian and who wasn't by the reactions. Do you realize that's possible for us to live that way? And not, we don't even have to experience, I pray that nobody has to experience something like that in life. I pray that never happens again. Lord, I pray you cover our schools. Lord, I pray right now you cover our kids. You cover them coast to coast, Lord. Not just here. You cover them from the East Coast to the West Coast. You cover them down South. You keep our kids safe, Lord, in those schools. But I'm telling you, when the storms of life come, that we know who we can turn to. And we know no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to us in this world, we know because of the resurrection power that Jesus Christ had, that we can have that too, and we will experience that one day. Amen. Church, church, give God a hand. Give God a hand this morning.
Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.